not everybody needs to be a paramedic, but everybody needs the basics. Everybody needs to be able to keep the paramedic as far away as possible from the actual action, but keep the patients alive long enough for them to get them there. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Is there a middle ground between embedding a medical doctor and embedding a medic? Introducing the embedded tactical paramedic, today we're going to meet with Chris Zerkovitz, director and trainer at Amarante Academy and big operator out in Belgium and, of course, across the world. I'm here with Sean West. Sean, why is this a key topic? Because I know we've had medical topics on the podcast before. Why, why tactical medicine as a topic? I think it's a, it's a great topic. And Christian, we've heard him speak you know, many times and he's very passionate about it. So I'm looking forward to this one especially, but why you tactical medic? You, you, can, you can have a paramedic who is highly trained. They have a lot of skills in keeping someone alive, saving their life. What's different with a tactical medic is when you're, you're out working in a hostile remote environment, you're, you're working there, you, you don't have all of the things that is second nature to a paramedic. You haven't got all them medical equipment, bags, hospitals, and equipment right next to you. So you need to be able to work with what you've got, and also have a, the situational awareness around you of the tactical situation that's going on. If you've got hostiles coming at you and there's a medical situation going on, you know, you've got, you've got the noggin, how to deal with it and the experience where a paramedic maybe hasn't got that background and skill set. They can keep you alive, but they're better passing the casualty over to that person at a later point after you've dealt with the situation. So should everybody try and have tactical medicine in their back pocket? Or is this something so specialized that you really don't want to distract from other people's you know, main jobs? Um, it, it, this isn't like having CPR as a skill in your back pocket, is it? No, I, I think on every team, I think medical skills, everybody knows, you know, it's, it's a great facet and skill set to have in any close protection team. And I think it, it depends where you're operating and what and to what level of training and skill set and how far you decide to take it. But I think certainly if you're working in these remote hostile environments, you should be looking at not just the basic medical courses. You should be looking at, you know, in the UK, it's different. I think you have FREC 3, FREC 4, FREC 5. I don't know what, the, what they're called over in the States or in other countries, but you should be looking at learning greater skills, how to use them. Know what you're going to take in your pack. You know, if you're going to a remote, hostile place, what you're packing. Don't take everything if it's not relevant. Just take what you need for that task and equipment that you know what you're able to use and use well. Um, sometimes doing the basics well is better than carrying a whole load of fancy medical equipment that maybe you don't know how to use. Yeah, and this this will resonate from anyone that's seen one of Christian's uh, presentations, you know, because he, he often says, you know, what, what good is it in the boot if you've got your principal in the back seat uh, and you're driving away, um, if, you, if you can't access it from inside the vehicle, that's a problem too. And then, yeah, you can take all the paramedic kit in the world, 
but if it doesn't fit or you don't have the skills to use it or the license, you know, I mean, okay. In a lot of cases, we're talking about places which are pretty um, okay with, uh, you know, with, you know, saving people's lives in this, in this regard, but there are places in the world where you're not allowed to use X, Y, and Z. Um, so, so, so there, there are a lot of considerations. And, and even if you brought an actual paramedic with you, and I know we had Paul Stewart on, uh, you know, a f- quite a few episodes ago, even if you brought a, an actual paramedic, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's a protected term, well, it doesn't mean that you can use that one person in every single environment. So, so the tactical medic is the happy halfway house, uh, so to speak. I'm very much looking forward to this. Let's welcome Chris Zerkovitz on the topic of embedding a tactical paramedic. And now let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit magazine. Embedding a tactical paramedic, why it matters and why perhaps not enough teams take it seriously enough. We are very fortunate to be joined by Christian Zerkovitz, an embedded tactical paramedic at Amarant Academy. Uh, myself and Sean West are very ple- pleased to have you here. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you. Thank you so much for welcoming me. Well, you're, you're, you're a great friend of the industry, that seems to be a catchphrase of mine, but you're a great friend and you've spoken uh, at least at our events uh, a, a lot about this topic, but let's do the three quick fire questions and, and, and sort of get an overview. What do you think is the problem as it stands in the industry with regards to tactical medicine? I believe that today um, people think that tactical medicine is just a catchphrase and people tend to take off the tactical part when going to, to study this type of medicine and they go in straight into the medicine because it's much easier to teach medicine to non-tacticians than it is to teach the tactical part. So we'll have a lot of people that believe that they're tactical medics while in the end they are just medics. And this causes a problem when things actually go and hit the fan. Mm. No, I can, I can well imagine. And, and, and what about you? Um, you know, where does your passion for this uh, skill set come from? Well, in, in the beginning of my career, uh, I was supposed to be very, you know, very quick on the draw and, uh, and, and very good at what I used to do being in the close protection industry. And then somebody once asked me a question. He said, Chris, if something goes bad, you know, what can you do to help me? And I said, well, you know, I can rush you to a hospital and tell you to stop bleeding. Um, and then, of course, I'm quick on the draw, so nothing will happen. And then this, this colleague of mine said, well, Chris, all of that is great, but I'm a tactical medic. And if you get shot in the ass, excuse my French, then, you know, I will be able to help you right here, right now, while still keeping the bad guys away. And that, that put me, that started uh, to make me think how I could be in the industry for, at that time, well over 10 years and not know anything about medicine. And I realized that I, I just had been very lucky. And I, I wanted to stop pushing my luck and become professional. No, I, I can, I can fully appreciate that. And you, you, you painted a very vivid, uh, vivid picture. Um, what about those who don't know anything about medicine, anything about paramedics, um, uh, it, 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 within the EP field, what, what should they start to think about? 
I think that if people are within the executive protection industry, um, they need to start with the basics of the basics because as, as a very good instructor of mine, uh, Dr. Michael Schertz once told me, he said, there is no such thing as, as complicated techniques. There's only the basics in very, very bad situations. Um, so we need to master the basics first and we need to understand that we need to be able to execute these masters under very harsh conditions and this goes for, for all tactical things, not just the medicine. Um, so within medicine, you know, people should start with basic life support and be able to do that and then, and then advance their way up so that they don't think that if they do a very hard course, all of a sudden they are doctors or paramedics because they are not. Um, and slapping on a tourniquet is not a basic skill. It requires knowledge about how, when, and why. And to be able to have that knowledge, you need to start from the beginning. So having just a basic first aid course doing CPR is a great way to start and keeping that fresh. Having done a CPR course in high school is not going to cut it when you actually need it. Yes. So Christian, what, what do you find are the challenges of operating as a tactical medic in an austere environment? And why in a remote environment does that call for tactical medics as opposed to a paramedic? Um, well, for me, um, I, I would like to quote the, uh, the people that are teaching the um, left of bang theory. Um, within a tactical setting, we are always aiming to stay left of bang, uh, bang being everything that happens that we don't want to happen. And if you are just a paramedic, um, you will miss certain parts of what we don't want to happen and why they happen. However, if I am a technical paramedic, I will understand the tactical needs and the tactical aspects of these things and it will bring me to become better prepared in preparing my team to avoid things that might happen. Um, in a way we carry gear, what we carry, how we carry it, and how I can be an asset to the team and not somebody that's be, you know, dragging along an ambulance and being very slow. Um, so just the way I would fit my gear and my kit to be able to carry it on, on, on a long um, excursion or whatever it might be, changes if I am a tactical paramedic or if I'm a paramedic. Yeah, I think you make a great point there. Um, that as, as a tactical paramedic, you, you bring a lot to the team. It's not just the giving of care. It's also the providing of advice to different team members. You can provide training to them. And, and what you just said there about how you, you set your load out. You know, I, I see a lot of people on different teams. They have a big bag of carrying all sorts of fancy things, but they don't know how to use them. You know, if you don't know how to use it, get, get it out, learn how to do the basics well, you know, get the kit that you know how to use and make sure you can use it when that call comes. Definitely. I mean, you know, having carrying a lot of kit is, is really good. But in the end, are you going to be able to use that kit in the, in the setting that you're working in? And the paramedic is going to be reluctant to leave with a lot of kit because, well, they will say, well, I need all this to stabilize my patient. And he is absolutely right. But that is because a paramedic is working under the ideal conditions that are provided to him. This is also the reason why a paramedic will not go into a building that is burning. He will wait for the patients to get out. Now, as a tactical paramedic, of course, we will not make tactical mistakes and we will not do things to put our own lives at risk. However, we will be a better judge of how far we can go before our lives get into a risk. If you look at the tech protocol today that's being taught to everybody, 
anything that's medical needs to stay way outside in the cold zone or maybe the, the, the warm zone. But if I have bleeding patients and I, I, I have people pinned down, they need me there and then. Otherwise, I am going to be a coroner and not a paramedic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. So do you think everyone within an EP team, CP team, they should all have tactical medical skills? Or do you think that dilutes their primary purpose and CP role? I believe that every executive protection agent should have the basics of tactical medicine, um, that the basic TCCC skills, something that the, um, well, the US military, when they rolled out the TCCC program said, we need a program that we can teach to every soldier. Why? Well, because we cannot make everybody into paramedics. Not everybody needs to be a paramedic, but everybody needs the basics. Everybody needs to be able to keep the paramedic as far away as possible from the actual action but keep them alive, keep the patients alive long enough for them to get them there. So if, if my executive protection team can take care of a patient and I can stay out of harm's way as long as possible, well, my life is going to be easier, but the team will also have an asset standing by somewhere. However, if I am just the only embedded tactical paramedic, I'm the only one with any tactical knowledge on medicine or, or any medical knowledge, I will have to be there in the heat of things because otherwise we might lose a patient. Now, I don't, I don't want to, because you know, I can hear people say, well, it doesn't happen every day that people get shot and bleed to death. Absolutely right. And 99.9% and, you know, .9 of our work is different and we do something else. But I always said, I, I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to be the uh, topic of the net po next podcast that Fallon does um, saying a tactical paramedic got shot because well, he went into the heat of it. So. In order to avoid that, we need more medical knowledge um, within the teams and professional teams, I believe, should invest in that and not just a five yearly course. But if you, if you go shooting every single day, why not add a medical drill into your in, in the end of your shooting class just as well? It, it'll take you five minutes, but it will keep your skills sharp. Yeah, for sure. I agree with everything you've just said there. I mean, medical skills is one of the main skills that you suffer skill fade from if you're not practicing it if you're not going through your drills and carrying out further training um, and you see, you see a lot of people they'll do their their course and the expiry date will be in three years time but if you don't do any you know further on training during that you know, you're going to lose a lot of that you don't lose the skill set but it's not as fresh as what it would be if you're carrying out regular training and, and what you said i think you know if you have a team and you have several team members, ideally the whole team, who are trained in tactical medicine, the confidence that gives to that team when they're rolling out their gates, if you're working in you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, you know if the shit hits the fan, you've got several team members there who know how to react, how to patch you up while things going down. And you know, there's a lot of talk of the golden hour. If you're in a you know, remote environment, somewhere like that, you could, it could be hours before you're getting that help. So by having someone in your team or ideally the majority of your team members trained in tactical medicine, they're able to stabilize that airway and keep that person alive, you know, just through some basic skills. It, it doesn't have to be any paramedic skills, just doing the basics well to give that person the best chance of life. Yeah, you know, what, what I have noticed, and, and I'm saying this without any prejudice to, to whomever whatsoever, I mean, I, I'm just being brutally honest about things. Tactical medicine is also 
about you know you as an operator as a medical operator being fit um if we look at 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 the majority of our medical providers unfortunately most of them are unfit people paramedics don't tend to be very fit because they sit sit around in an ambulance a whole lot of time and there's not a whole lot that they're doing well of course they're saving lives i'm not saying they're not doing anything but they're not being physical being a tactical paramedic, I need to be able to grab somebody and, and, and extract them. I need to be able to be with the teams and on, the, on those teams. So the part in which my whole team is a medic um, takes away stress and relieves stress from the paramedic himself and makes me keep fit as well because I need to be able to follow, follow the teams. And, and I know this for myself. I've gone through a, a hell of a journey up and down in, in trying to keep myself very fit to be able to keep running with, with the young guys and, and doing, keep doing this job. So um, I think that the tactical doesn't just, you know, tactical is such a big word. It's not just a pew pew around the corner. It's, the, uh, it, it's your ability to, to think a little bit differently than in the comfort of, 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 of the zone that you're working in. You need to be able to think outside of your zone of comfort and then, then you're tactical. It's not just the POP around the corner. Yeah, no, I think, like you say, as you, as you described the paramedic, you know, they aren't used to situations like that. They're used to working in ideal circumstances, an RTA on a motorway or, or something where there's no further threat, you know, from gunfire or, or hostiles. So being a tactical paramedic, you have that extra nonce about you, you know, you can take stock of a situation and plan the next move whilst still giving care to the, you know, the people around you. Um, but yeah, no, having a tactical medic in the team, it, it, it's a force multiplier. You know, you, you can provide training to your team constantly. As we spoke about, you know, you can guide them on the loadouts. If you do have an incident, you're there, you can provide immediate care, you know, and you, you've given that confidence to the team that you, you know what you're doing, but also post-incident, you can provide a debrief on what went wrong, what they could have done better, all being all, all very good, <laughs> everyone survives, you know, and what better way, speaking on the back of an incident, everyone comes out good, and you can say, revert straight back to that, and everyone, you know, shuts up and listens, because they've just been through it, you know, and, and they've seen it firsthand, bouncing off the back of incidents now, you, you because there is, you know, over the last 20 years, lots of hostile environments where there's been lots of need for, you know, highly trained medics, tactical medics. One of the other things that brings value to the team as well and can maybe bring value is post-incident, post-deployment. You know, guys have gone through a lot of stress. You've seen lots of reoccurring things of post-traumatic stress happening post a lot of deployments now. Are you seeing an emergence of, you know, tactical mental health medicine where the medic tactical medic can provide guidance advice to these guys who are maybe suffering from PTSD or giving some advice post-incident to help them with deal with trauma well what I have noticed is that um, fortunately things are changing a little bit and um, having somebody who is considered very uh, versatile in medicine on the team people will trust that person more so, you know, you can have an EP team that everybody did their TCCC training. They went through the three days and everything is all good and, and, and peachy. But you have somebody that they call doc because, well, the guy, you know, has done six weeks of study or six months of studying. 
Um, and when something happens, so post-incident, um, if this person is, is open to it, he will at least recognize the signs of, of somebody needing help and needing support. And I believe it's a big role um, because if you are a technical paramedic, then you have been running through these trainings with your guys. So you, know, you understand you know, the, the alpha male dominance in, in our industry and you understand that nobody wants to cry about what just happened or nobody wants to talk about the fact that you know, they peed themselves when they got shot at. Um, however, because you ran through with them and they know that, that, that you have been there, done that, and you are the same kind of person, they will open up to you more. And that, I think then as a medic in the team, it's going to be your responsibility to go and, and you know, raise the flag when necessary. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, every, any incident that happens, you know, everyone deals with it differently and it's not about being, you know, the big man, <laughs> you know, I, I think everyone's got to, almost the tolerance of how many incidents you can, how many close calls you can have before you start, your luck starts running out and you start, you know, you're realising you're pretty lucky to get through these things. You know, I've seen it before with guys where they've, they've had one incident too many and they come back and you see that, you know, they're suffering and several guys, have, you know, they turn to alcohol or whatever it may be. And I think, you know, many years ago, there wasn't the support out there for these people but it's definitely more recognized these days which is good to see yeah i, I agree it, it is more recognized and even on the teams itself um guys are talking about it by themselves there's support groups just formed by the guys because they and, and girls obviously because we, you know there, there's more and more females in the industry as well um and there's just more talk about it there's more support groups and there, there's more people thinking about it because um well, I have friends and, and that I have worked with that, that have come to me and said, I, I want to join the industry again, but I had to quit for a couple of months because I, I just couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't do it anymore, which is, which is nice to see that they're actually talking about it because they would just disappear from the screen and then you'd be like, well, he, he didn't cut it, but it's not about being able to cut it. It's, it's about, I, I believe that everybody goes through it in a different way and handles it in a different way, but everybody has the same damage about it. It's just, you know, how long can you keep running with that damage? And it's not healthy for your team. It's not healthy for our clients. It's not healthy for our industry because it, it shows in the professionalism. Um, so, you know, uh, putting, putting out some effort into, into the, all the post-trauma things is definitely necessary. And, and using those post-trauma events to show fresh teams what we are actually talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked for a number of years in hostile environments i remember i as a as a young you know as, as a soldier and then when i left the army as a close protection operator and i used to love the job you know you, you go out there it's fantastic i love being a soldier i love being out there working with like-minded people and we you know you used to go out on the ground you'd see incidents you'd be involved in incidents and i always used to think when i come back i'm fine it doesn't you know it's fine you shrug it off you move on, you do the next incident, and it doesn't bother you. I remember one day I made the decision to come back, and I was going to come back and work in the UK, set myself up in the UK. I think it was when I had my second child. I thought, now's the time I'm going to come back. I don't want to be going to these countries anymore. And I remember sitting on the plane from, um, I went from Kabul to Dubai, Dubai back to the UK. I remember I sat on the plane and I ordered a, I thought, I just made a decision then without any thinking, I'm not coming back. And I remember I, I ordered a whiskey off the um, air hostess. She brought me a whiskey and I drank it. 
And then I ordered another one. And I remember just thinking it was like the weight of the world off my shoulders because I'd made that decision. I'm not going back. And I didn't realize I carried any weight because I enjoyed every deployment. But I remember sitting there thinking, I'm coming back. I'm going home. I've got you know, both my legs, both my arms. You know, I'm intact. We have got many friends who aren't and, you know, who aren't lucky enough to be here. And it was a huge relief to actually come back and think, wow, you know, I'm okay. And it's just stress that I didn't realise that I carried. But, yeah, flying back, it, yeah, it did. It, it came out. I, I can totally relate what you're saying. Uh, last deployment to Libya, um, we got a, we had a, a very close call. Um, and and I had never felt this before, but as soon as we went back to the compound, the first thing that I did was was give my wife a call. And, and I told her, honey, we, we just had an incident. Everybody's doing fine, but it, it, it just shook me up. And it's not the first time that it happened, but for some reason, was it the drip in the bucket? Was it Was it my age? Honestly, I don't know what it was, but I went back to the compound and I was like, dude, you know what? I don't want to die. I do want to keep alive. And, and I, 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 I shrugged it off again and I, I'm back on deployments and nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong. However, I, 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 I tend to look at my kid better. Uh, I tend to look at my colleagues better and ask them, are you prepared? Are you ready? Like, like can you help me? Can you, can you be my colleague? And they said, well, yeah, Chris, but you know, it's, it's not, not everything is medical. And I said, well, no, it's not. But when it goes south, everything is going to be depending on the medicine that we can do. So, so I need you to be good. And I enjoy training my own team more and more just because of that, because I realized that, oh man, it's not because I'm the medic that I am infallible. And I remember the images of the Second World War where they had the big red cross. And what does the red cross mean? Well, this is where you shoot. Like, yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter who you are, you, you know, and uh, yeah, so I can relate to what you said. It, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's funny, and I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it, at the time, if it's kind of mindset and training that, you know, whilst I'm a former paratrooper, and, you, you know, when you're going through training as a young soldier, you, you get, it's almost, it's a conditioning. You get almost brainwashed as a young, you know, as a, as a young recruit. You're the best. You're the best unit. You're better than the unit alongside you. And... It does. It's it's a good mentality that got, I believe, drilled into me as a as a paratrooper, and it served me well for a number of years. And I think when I went out to these countries, like I said, I didn't feel like anything affected me. It didn't when I was doing the job. I didn't, as far as I'm aware. It was when the, I made this decision to come back, and it was just like the relief and the just that you didn't know you were carrying. And it was just, I don't know if it's just that when you switch off, you, you don't need to be that guarded anymore. And it was, um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was a nice feeling. Yeah, I can imagine for sure. Well, uh, you know, we need to, we need to make sure that the young guys coming into the industry understand, understand a little bit of this. We need to keep them on that, on that level that they were drilled into, uh, going through the military, or the police, or whatever, because we need those young guys who are, who are going for it and and who get the stuff done. Um, but on the other hand, we need to make them realize that the world is changing slightly, and the threat is different today than it was yesterday. And there's a beautiful picture of um, the evacuations in Afghanistan. There is a, um, it's a private company's uh, paramedic who stands in the middle of the, of, of, um, of the airport. And the caption says, it's what a feeling to be the only medic between all these men. Um, and he was absolutely right because, well, he was the only medic at the time. And 
a medic can have so many roles um, from putting on band-aids and giving wet socks and paracetamol to people that have a headache and then people are like wet socks yeah trust me it works um, but also you know helping the kids and and doing good work which allows people that are the, the pew pew people and and the fast drivers give them medical skills and give them the feeling that they can actually save lives as well um, will make them appreciate their own lives that much more at least that's what it did for me uh, i understand now now that i understand what holes do to you um and i want to plug them uh, i appreciate my own life that much better so i think sharing this information is vital um teaching them a little bit about it so they understand you know what's on this side of the gun what's on the other side the uh, the famous saying do no harm but do no harm i think that's very important so 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 chris let's um i mean this is this is fascinating right this is this is fascinating testimony from you both and and i think it really brings everything to life uh pardon the pun uh but what i'd be interested in is just maybe in conclusion what does the right skill set look like and where can you attain it because do we want to go and poach a, a, a load of paramedics from hospitals? Is that the wrong skill set? Because paramedics are like, I think it's a registered uh, professional trademark or something, and they're not tactical. So um, sure, we can increase people's medical skills, but what if they want to become a tactical me medic within EP? Okay, so within the executive protection industry, I don't believe that we really need to poach the paramedics off the streets and from the hospitals because it's not the right skills that we, that we want. However, what we do want to do is, is provide them with the good basic life support skills, give them the TCCC skills for sure, and then give them a little bit extra, um, giving them the taking them towards the technical paramedics, they don't all have to be paramedics, but giving them a little bit more so that they can make the, 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 the difference between the paramedic that wants everything, the EP agent that doesn't have anything, and then have them be that medic that can juggle between the two and say, okay, I cannot give my patient whole blood because we don't carry whole blood because we cannot. However, I know what it means if I can only give him fluids which a paramedic will tell you, oh, no, you can only give whole blood because fluids, it's been shown the last six months is not good. However, I will tell you, well, if that's the only choice I have, I know how to use it to keep my patient alive. So the paramedic is going to do everything to keep the patient comfortable, alive and dancing, while the tactical paramedic, the EP guy, all he needs to do is not save a life, is not keep the patient dancing, just keep them alive long enough so that they can get to a paramedic that knows what he's doing. And that's what we need. So, you know, be, basic life support is not enough. Being a full paramedic for the whole team is too much. We need to be in between. And there is very nice um, courses, the TCCC course, ITLS, International Trauma Life Support, or PHCLS, Pre-Hospital Trauma Life Support. Courses like those will give more information to them but not too much because giving them too much information giving them too much skill will lead to them wanting to become paramedics and then the, the focus shifts off protection and goes to paramedicine like it did with me so uh, we don't want that we just want to give them enough in which they say with this skill set i am confident i can do good 
but not it, not that much that because that's what happened to me. I went and did some course and I said, okay, but now I have this skill set, but I need more to be able to use this skill set. We need to stop at a certain point. And th this is where uh, doing a TCCC course to understand the tactics and adding a, a pre-hospital trauma life support course onto it, the PHCLS course, which is a great course, will, will give the EP team enough to be able to do something to prolong life and wanting them to stay on the protection side of things. Exactly what you said there as well, being the intermediary between the paramedic and, and the team. If, if you're in the middle and you understand the care you've given, it enhances the communication as well between when you're handing over to the next level of, of care. You know what you've dealt with, you know what, what you've done, when you've put that tourniquet on, when you've, what you've patched up, what you haven't, and you can do a good handover too the next level of care so they can use their time as best possible instead of wasting time trying to find out, you know, if they've got any secondary tertiary injuries, you've already done that for them and you can pass it on in a nice package in a language that they understand. But basically, we, we, we want the executive protection agent to be able to look at Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet executed by Leonardo DiCaprio and understand it, but I don't want them to be able to read Shakespeare. Because if they can read Shakespeare, they will look too much into it and they will miss skill. I will read Shakespeare. You just tell me what Leonardo just told I like uh, Juliet. And then we'll be fine. I love it. And, and that's maybe a good uh, place to leave it on because obviously uh, any, 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 any actual training needs to be properly trained, right? You need to actually go and properly do the TCCC. You need to properly do the pre-hospital uh, uh, trauma training. Um, but hopefully this has given people a lot of direction and, and maybe there are EP uh, colleagues out there thinking, you know what? Yeah, this could be me. Um, over, over COVID, uh, we had a number of thoughts, didn't we? We had thoughts about what uh, demands could be made on the tactical medic. Um, perhaps uh, we needed an MD embedded with every uh, you know, thing. Uh, maybe not, maybe not. Um, but, uh, but a tactical medic, as, as you say, that, that place in between that is, um, that is where it should be at, I believe. Um, what's next for you, Christian? Uh, next for me is going to be a week of uh, teaching HEAT, Hostile Environment Awareness Training in France. And then uh, after that, it looks like I'm going to Senegal. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, we like uh, all things West Africa. We did a, an entirely West African event, which you kindly participated in. Um, I think uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a very, very important area for EP and EP colleagues. Fantastic. Well, from Sean and myself, thank you very much for giving us the lowdown on tactical medicine, setting us straight, um, you know, busting myths and, uh, and, and setting us on the right path. Um, thanks for being such an excellent guest for the Circuit Magazine podcast. Thank you so much, Philip. Thank you so much, Sean. It was an absolute honor for myself to be on it. Well, I definitely want Chris on my team, especially if I go to somewhere hostile, especially if there is no hospital nearby. What a great episode. And I thought excellent testimony from you both. You know, you really brought that to life. Um, thank you very much, Sean. What, what did you take away from today's session? I, I always like hearing from Christian. He just oozes knowledge and passion for the subject. And I like the way he described the Shakespeare I don't need to know all of Shakespeare. I just need to know this particular part. That, that's my job. I'm going to do it well. 
and then I pass it on to the paramedic or the hospital or whoever is going to take over the next stage of care. And I think that that was a great explanation of the role of a tactical medic. It was, wasn't it? And and people can imagine maybe themselves in the role, and and they can imagine developing their skill set in that in that regard. And maybe it's helped people to lose some inhibitions because maybe people thought, ah, oh, I have to go to medical school. I need to get uh, an MD. Uh, you know, degree, Uh, maybe I need to become an actual paramedic in the ambulance service, and and then maybe I can move on. But it's nothing like that, right? Sure, it's skills based, but it is much more practical. And you've got to keep the principle alive until such time as someone can take over, which, which again, is, is another string to your boat. But it's not just having CPR in your back pocket. It's not just saying, I've attended this course, ergo, I can do CPR. Um, TCCC, he mentioned, as well as some of the specialist courses about keeping people uh, well, or at least stable before before they end up in medical care. Um, What else have we got uh, coming up then? Because it seems that everything is ramping up again. Yeah, well, we have the next issue of the Circuit Magazine coming out shortly, issue 60. Wow, I can't believe we've got to 60 issues. That's a, a, a big milestone. And Separate to that, we have on the 19th of November, I think we'll have a few more podcasts before then, but put it in your diary because we have a circuit online event coming up on managing violence in the workplace where we have some great speakers on that. Mm. Uh, maybe you can tell us a bit more about that, who we've got lined up. Well, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm going to reveal the uh, agenda soon, but uh, one interesting feature is that it will be good for the UK, the US and the Australian time zones. So will be in the UK evening, the US afternoon, and uh, we will also be there in the Australian morning. So so, so that's quite interesting. And, and, and that might give you a hint about what we're going to try and achieve with that, because there are, of course, lots of professionals around the world, including Australia, which we need to bring together to achieve it. No, I look for them. I, I love them time zone hopping events that you put on <laughs> they're always great to, great to visit it's good you just got to watch out for summertime and uh, and all of that but uh, we, we, we're reasonably synchronized at this time of year so so everything to play for hey um i've been uh, very impressed with the level of engagement on the bba connect app as well and also the naba protector app um I did this maybe a few weeks ago, but I thought, why not a little bit of a shout out to people who have been quite active on the app. Um, so on the BBA Connect app, uh, thank you, Mike Dalton, uh, Michael uh, Hutton, Miranda Caposa, and Raymond Moore. Obviously, there are other people, but I thought they, they were particularly active. And on the NABA Protector app, uh, Maurice Easton, Eaton, Mark James, uh, Ben Lever, Agent Goldberg, uh, Antonio, and also Tim Smith. Lots of great things, including the protector gram. Love those photos. Love those photos. Um, and uh, and also lots of help for new entrants. People are sort of going in there saying, I'm new. And then everyone is jumping on board and offering their help, which which is, you know, really one of the big objectives of all of this. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the key things about the apps. And that's why we created them, you know, to get there, to get people to network, reach out and reach out, ask for help, and to provide help to others who may need. And if you haven't downloaded them, please take a look. I think you'll find them very helpful indeed. Indeed, and in a way, they serve as tactical uh, well-being for the community. 
um obviously it's nothing official like that but it's it, it is great to have that community-based uh, approach and as christian did say you know everyone is looking for that there's a hunger uh, for uh, you know being part of a community and also uh, looking to good source of information so i i like i like that link back with today's uh, podcast topic fantastic well embedding a tactical paramedic not being a full medical doctor, not being simply another CPR course, there is a happy medium, and that happy medium could be you. So if you want to know more, please reach out to Christian or us. Uh, but this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.